Welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Welcome, welcome. There is no time for pleasantries because I am so excited about today's episode. I'm diving deep into a topic that I've been immersed in personally for months. I have been wearing a continuous blood glucose monitor for 10 weeks now, and it confirmed a lot of what I teach my clients about blood sugar stability, but it also surprised me in a lot of ways. I'm going to go through all the details of which foods spiked my blood sugar, what I learned, and how you can get your hands on a CGM yourself. I'll also discuss a new study on the health risks of refined grains, recommend a grain-free cookie I've been loving, answer some listener Q&A on personality tests and clean water, and more. Let's get going. I can't wait. If you've ever been my one-to-one client or been in any of my group programs, basically, today's study in health news you can use will not surprise you. It's all about refined grains and their health risks. So first, what do I mean when I say refined grains? Well, there are whole grains, which is like rice or steel-cut oats. These are in their intact form. We eat them just the way they're grown. But there are also refined grains, which means that the grain, like wheat flour or wheat, for example, has been stripped of its fiber and all of its nutritious parts. It's ground into a flour and then baked. So we don't eat it just like it grows. Wheat bread or white bread doesn't grow out of the ground. Wheat grows out of the ground. It's stripped of all the good stuff, ground into a flour, and baked. So that's a refined grain. A refined grain is uh, something like a bread, pasta, cereal, crackers, muffins, pastries, tortillas, all of those kind of things. So this study was done by Simon Fraser University, and it was published in the British Medical Journal in February 2021. It studied over 130,000 people over 16 years, and it showed that those who ate seven or more servings of refined grains per day, which is honestly a lot, had 27% higher risk for early death, which is also a lot. They also had 33% greater risk for heart disease and 47% greater risk for stroke. So first, what this does not say is that a single serving of cereal will kill you. Of course not. But if you're having, let's say, cereal for breakfast, a sandwich for lunch, crackers as part of your snack, and pasta for dinner, you're likely at that seven-serving level and you might want to reconsider. I would recommend first switching to the whole grain option, for example, having rice instead of pasta, and then eventually to a grain-free option, so like spaghetti squash or zucchini noodles or kelp noodles, or skip the noodles altogether instead of the regular refined grain pasta. All of those trades would be in the best interest of your health and your longevity. 
Plus, it will keep your blood sugar more stable, which we'll discuss soon. I will post a link to the study and then an article about the study in the show notes. Today's Megan Recommends is very appropriate for the main topic of today's episode. As I've been diving more and more into my blood sugar experiment, which I'll talk about in just a minute, I've been even more likely to stay away from grains. I never, at least not in the past 15 years, ate a ton of grains. I very rarely cook any grains in my meals, but honestly, pretty frequently, I would snag a gluten-free ginger snap or something like that. I am always on the lookout for healthy alternatives to that kind of stuff, and lately I've been loving fat snacks cookies. Fat snacks. Fat snacks, S-N-A-X, cookies. Fat snacks? as a brand name? I know. Five years ago, I would not have even touched the box because of the name, but they're named this because they are rich in healthy fats, which keep your blood sugar stable. They're grain-free, which is important if you just listen to Health News You Can Use, uh, and they're made with almond and coconut flour. Instead of the grain-based flours, these nut flours are very healthy for you, have no impact on your blood sugar, Um, And these also have no sugar in them because they're sweetened with stevia. And they taste really great. They caused absolutely no spike in my blood sugar as monitored by my continuous blood sugar or blood glucose meter, meter, uh, which I'll talk about in a minute. And I honestly love that they're individually packaged so that I can stick to just one. Makes it easier to portion control. So if you are looking for a healthier, grain-free, sugar-free alternative to a cookie, I will post a link to the Amazon page in the show notes here. Um, If you're in Dallas, I've also found them at Kroger and Sprouts here in Dallas. Enjoy. Let's dive into the veggies of the matter because I am so excited. I have been wearing a continuous glucose monitor for 10 weeks now. In fact, the company reached out to me via a a friend of the founder, and I thought when they gifted me a month of the product, I thought I would just wear it for a month, learn a little bit, and move on. But I'm 10 weeks in now. I've been purchasing future months on my own, and I am going to be working this into my budget for at least the next several months. I am loving what I'm learning from my continuous glucose monitor, and it's it's been so eye-opening to me. So I hope today to share with you some of the insights I've learned and help you apply them to you, whether you want to wear a continuous glucose monitor or not. I'll share things that surprised me, things that um, I already knew that were confirmed, foods that spiked my blood sugar that that I wasn't expecting, and so much more. Before I dive into it, let me just recognize that this can be a sensitive subject. Uh, Diabetes, especially type 1 diabetes, is very near and dear to my family's heart. Both my sister and her husband are living with type 1 diabetes, which means they will be insulin dependent until there is a cure. And so their continuous glucose monitors are critical tools for them. They rely on insulin to stay alive, and the continuous glucose monitor for them is a tool to help them manage their diabetes. 
that is a giant pain. They live with so much incredible stress and strain because of this terrible disease. And me wearing a continuous glucose monitor does not make light of their suffering in any way. I care so much about them. Type 1 diabetes will always be the number one cause that Kevin and I and my family donate to, uh, and we care about it deeply. I actually believe that in broadening the public market for continuous glucose monitors, we will hopefully increase demand, uh, which will eventually increase suppliers, reduce cost of continuous glucose monitors, and help make them more accessible for those living with type 1 diabetes uh, who need this technology. So I'm going to uh, post to a blog post that I really like written by someone who is also living with type 1 diabetes uh, about why they support uh, non-diabetics wearing continuous glucose monitors. And if you have any hesitations about that, I encourage you to read this post. Okay, so now back to uh, my experience with it. First of all, why would I do this? Why is managing blood sugar important? Uh, And what even is blood sugar anyway? At a very basic level, when we eat any sugar or anything that breaks into sugar, any carbohydrates, whether that's from zucchini or cotton candy, that sugar gets released into our bloodstream. And our bodies don't want the sugar in our bloodstream. So in people who have functioning pancreases, Insulin is then released in response to this sugar in the bloodstream. And the insulin helps grab the sugar from the bloodstream, shuttles it into our cells, and there it can be used as energy to power our daily activities. That's a good thing. Uh, But there are many things that make us insulin resistant, things like a diet high in refined sugars, refined grains, processed food, uh, imbalanced gut health, chronic stress, mineral deficiencies, all of these things can make us a bit more insulin resistant, which means that even if we get an appropriate insulin release, it just doesn't work as well. So more sugar is hanging out in the bloodstream for longer than it should be. This happens a lot. In fact, it is estimated that only 12% of the American population is metabolically healthy, meaning they have a completely normal, healthy Um, insulin and blood sugar response to the food they're eating. So this is a big problem. 88% of us, uh, and yes, I'm in that 88%, are not completely metabolically healthy. Now, too much blood sugar in the bloodstream once is no big deal, but over time, over a long, long time, this can lead to blood sugar dysregulation, type 2 diabetes, a ton of other issues. Uh, Managing your blood sugar can also help you maintain your weight, Uh, or manage your weight, improve body composition, uh, feel better, feel less on that blood sugar roller coaster, fewer spikes and crashes. There are many, many reasons why balancing your blood sugar is helpful, um, whether you do that with a continuous glucose monitor or not. So the continuous glucose monitor, just briefly, it's a small, it's about the size of a quarter, but thicker than that. It sticks onto your arm. You wear it for two weeks, uh, and then you change it out for another device. It is completely painless. Don't even notice it. Exercise, shower, all the things with it um, has never gotten into my way. And uh, I only think about it because I like to see the response of my food. So you scan it with your phone into the Levels app, and you're able to see with the Levels app, which I'll talk about Levels, the company, in a second, you're able to see a bunch of insights on the foods you're eating. So very easy. 
um, and very interesting to learn about. So a couple things that I already knew about how to balance your blood sugar, but worth mentioning here. Again, whether you're going to wear a continuous glucose monitor or not, these things will be helpful. First, sounds obvious, but the more sugary the food, the higher the blood sugar spike. This just makes sense. More sugar in food means more sugar in your blood, means your body has to work harder to get the right amount of insulin and um, uh, be insulin sensitive enough to get all that sugar into your cells. So the more sugary the food, the higher the blood sugar spike, and we don't want a spike. We do not want a spike. We want our blood sugar to maintain a stable level, um, almost flat line during most of the day, those big dramatic spikes or even those big humps, even if it doesn't look like a spike, but it's a longer hump, that's not so good for your body. So the more sugary the food, the higher the blood sugar spike, which is not good. Second is the most, the more fibrous the food, the more fiber it contains, the lower the blood sugar spike. So even though fiber is a carbohydrate as well, eating fiber is far less likely to spike your blood sugar than eating sugar. Next thing that I knew already is that fat, healthy fat, is a powerful tool to slow and reduce your blood sugar spike. So if you do eat sugar or you do eat carbohydrates, having fat with it um, can make that spike into much less dramatic spike. Fat takes longer to pass through the digestive tract, so the sugar release is slower. Protein also does the same thing. So, um, well, not exactly the same thing, but has a similar effect. So if you're eating carbohydrates that are balanced by protein or fat, then you will have more stable blood sugar. I call carbohydrates that are imbalanced or that don't have protein or fat with them naked carbohydrates. And we don't want those naked carbohydrates. We don't want carbohydrates alone because we're more likely to get on that blood sugar roller coaster, which makes our blood sugar spike. Then we crash on the other side. We're ending up feeling more lethargic, craving more sugar, maybe irritable, moody, anxious, all kinds of things like that. So we don't want naked carbs. We always want our carbs to be balanced by protein or fat. Uh, Last thing that I learned, which is appropriate for today's research topic, is that refined carbohydrates are particularly detrimental, or last thing I knew already. Refined carbohydrates are particularly detrimental. So something like pancakes or cookies or muffins or something like that is going to be much more detrimental to blood sugar than something like a sweet potato or butternut squash or something like that. Uh, Last thing that I already knew before wearing but was um, confirmed by wearing the CGM is that exercise can either raise or lower your blood sugar. This one's really confusing to people because in general, we are advised to go on a walk or something like that to lower our blood sugar. So if I have a high carbohydrate meal and then I go on a walk after, which is low intensity exercise, that can lower my blood sugar, which is good. But high intensity exercise can actually have the opposite effect. It can raise our blood sugar. This is because our liver releases glycogen. As soon as we're doing super high intensity exercise, our liver releases glycogen, which is a storage form of sugar. Um, And that's just kind of like your liver saying, all right, I see you doing a lot of work. Here's some fuel for you. That's not a bad thing. Even though you'll see a spike, I... 
in the blog post, which I'll link in today's show notes, I'll show you graphs of some of my personal workouts and you'll see a walk lowers my blood sugar. And then you'll see uh, run and uh, strength workout kind of gives me a little hump. And then a high intensity workout gives me a big spike. But levels with their algorithm, they do a great job of uh, not having this detract from your overall score because they know, as I do, that high-intensity exercise, even though it causes that blood sugar spike, it's a different mechanism, so it's still good for your body in moderation. All right, so those are things that I already knew. Let's get into a few things that surprised me. And I'll be honest, having a master's in holistic nutrition and a bunch of other certifications, I honestly didn't expect to be that surprised, but I learned a ton and I'm continuing to learn. So the first thing I learned was stress has a major impact on my blood sugar. Honestly, I was blown away by this. Many of you know I have a long history with stress management. If you go to the blog post in today's show notes, I'll link to a story about my own stress management. So I I know I have chronically high cortisol, which kind of messes with your blood sugar. I knew I would have an interesting um, response to stressful situations, but I was shocked at how dramatic it was. Um, you will see, if you go to the blog post, a picture of my blood sugar spike the morning that we had a, a storm and our pipes, I woke up to frozen pipes in our house. I panicked. I let my anxiety get the best of me and my blood sugar spiked without any food, without any sugar in my body. It spiked to literally the highest number that I've ever seen um, in my blood sugar meter. So stress had a major impact for me. And even though this was the most dramatic spike, I noticed during the workday, my blood sugar was a lot higher than uh, over the Christmas break. Or if it was a weekend day that I wasn't working, my blood sugar was a lot lower. So stress had a big impact for me. Another thing that I was very surprised about is that meal, larger meals were better for me. I did not like to see this because honestly, I prefer smaller meals. I prefer snacking throughout the day. Uh, But seeing the data was just, uh, it made it kind of unavoidable. So you might have noticed if you're a sleuth in my food prep posts, I've been making fewer veggie packs. I've been making, been buying less fruit. I've been doing fewer of the things that I used to snack on because my body honestly does better with bigger meals and fewer snacks. That doesn't mean that if I'm hungry, truly hungry, I'm going to avoid a snack. I won't. I prioritize fueling my body above everything else, but I've been working to bulk up my meals and um, have fewer snacks because it is better for my blood sugar. So I, I post a picture in the blog post today of a large meal that I had, and you see I had only a two-point change in my blood sugar, which is basically nothing. That's basically flat. My body really does like those big meals. Next thing I learned, which surprised me, but it was the best surprise, is that my body loves chocolate as much as I do. This was the best. I mean, honestly, if I wanted one thing to be okay with my blood sugar, it was chocolate. And the reason here is that the chocolate I buy has a higher fat content than most candy and a lower sugar content. So I like to buy really good quality dark chocolate with very little 
to no sugar added. Um, and chocolate itself has fat in it. Often the chocolate bars have coconut oil as well or something like that. So it is, um, in hindsight, I could have expected this, but it's just so nice to see that when I eat chocolate, especially after a meal, that I have almost no blood sugar raised from the chocolate. So yay, my love for chocolate will live on. Um, a couple more things that I learned, and then I'll leave the rest for the blog post. If you're super curious, head on over to the blog post. The link is in today's show notes, and you'll see all the graphs, all the pictures, all of my personal data on how this played out. But I'll share a few more things with you. Two things did well for me that I didn't expect. First were smoothies. Um, I always follow my magic smoothie, smoothie formula, so I know they're balanced, but I did suspect that a smoothie right, might still raise my blood sugar due to the fruit content, and it didn't. I did really great with fruit smoothies um, that were balanced by appropriate protein and fat, and I only use half a cup of fruit in my smoothies. So you've been seeing many more of smoothie packs in my food prep recently, and that is for a reason. Um... I also learned that the order of foods consumed really mattered for me. So if I had something carbohydrate heavy and then a little bit later, even later in the same meal, had the protein and fat, I did less well as if I had the protein and fat first and then had the carbohydrate heavy thing last. Um you might be interested, I'm going to tease you to the blog post between Processed foods and alcohol. One of those uh, really surprised me in in a negative way, meaning um, I was it was not what I would traditionally recommend to clients. And one of them surprised me in the opposite way, meaning it was better than I would have expected. So you can head on over to the blog post for that. Um, the only things that did surprise me with abnormal spikes. Two things, grapes and white rice. Those, you'll see the pictures of my spikes um, in the blog post, but those spikes were pretty high, uh, meaning that for me, grapes and white rice are not going to be part of my normal diet. Um, this might be different for you. In fact, you can head over to the Levels Instagram and you can see many people who do well with white rice. It's not necessarily the food overall that's just a, quote, bad food or a, quote, good food. It does have to do with your own body's reaction as well. So those are some of the things that I learned. Hopefully you can learn things like always uh, pair carbohydrates with protein and fat so you never have naked carbs. Maybe experiment to see if you feel better with big meals versus snacks. Maybe try tinkering with the order of your meals, things like that. Uh, but I'll leave you with a thought about why I like Levels, the company. This is not a sponsored podcast or post. Um, I have tried a CGM with another startup before, and honestly, I wasn't a big fan of their data analytics, so I never shared it. It was just a very confusing experience, and it was frustrating, and Levels has been exactly the opposite. It is very easy to understand the user interface. They give you a rating for each meal, which I love, on a 1 to 10 score, and then they give you a 1 to 100 score for each day. It's really easy to compare trends. 
They have excellent customer service. The insights are just easily extractable. It really has helped me make some changes for my body personally that I would not have been able to identify without the CGM. So I highly recommend Levels. The uh, not so great news is twofold. First of all, it's pretty pricey. The first month is $399. That includes a physician approval to get you a CGM. After that, it's $199 per month, which I realize is very pricey, and I'm hoping uh, with increased consumer demand will go down. The other bad news is that they have a 60,000-person waiting list, Um, and I did put some of my clients on that waiting list before I got a code to skip the waiting list, and it was real. Like They were on the list for months without hearing anything from the company, but the good news, I got you a link so that you can skip the list. You can jump right up to the front of that list and you can get your CGM right away if you're interested. I will post a link in the show notes to uh, level so you can jump the line with that. And I hope you learned something today. If you do um, get a CGM for yourself, I'd love to hear what you learn. And I would love for you to tag me when you share some of your data. All right, you've made it to listener Q&A. Congratulations. So we're going to get off the blood sugar train for a little while and talk about uh, some personality tests and some water. Sarah asks, with all the personality tests you've taken, how do you synthesize all the data? Well, the short answer, Sarah, is I don't. I don't personally use personality tests as like a manual. Like if I were reading a manual to operate a piece of machinery, I would follow it step by step and do everything it says. And I don't operate myself that same way I would operate the piece of machinery. I just use the personality test as reflection, just as I would if I were uh, reading a journal entry that I had written, or I would um, reflect on my myself after a therapy session. So it's it's more a reflection for me. I love following Enneagram accounts on Instagram because I really relate strongly to the Enneagram 3, and I am always learning about myself by reflecting on what people post. I love using my MBTI, my Myers-Briggs type, which is an ISTJ, in conversations with those who are really close to me. So like my husband is also an ISTJ, which for most people is not recommended, but for us it works. My mom, for example, is exactly the opposite, an ENTP. Um, and knowing those things just helps me a lot relate to each of those people who are obviously very important to me. I like StrengthsFinder, for example, to help me focus on which projects will help me use my strengths best. Colby, which I know very little about, actually. I was actually hired once by a doctor to um, uh, see his clients and help them with their nutrition purely based on my Colby score. It's a 9732 for those of you who know a lot about it. He saw that and he was like, you're in. Um, So I use all of them basically, Sarah, in different ways. I don't really synthesize. I'd love to hear from you, Sarah, about how you synthesize if you have great ideas. And I'd love to hear from any of you listeners about which personality tests you relate to. So shoot me a DM on Instagram and let's chat personality tests. Second question is from Vanessa. She asks, what is the best water to purchase? I saw your review on the Berkey water system, but if we're not ready to purchase, what do you suggest buying, say, at Whole Foods? Um, so first of all, I will post the link to my Berkey water review in the show notes. Um, I do have a Berkey. I love my Berkey. It's giant. It's, 
I don't know, maybe three feet tall. It sits on my countertop and you do have to refill it. I refill it probably like three times a week, but it's super easy and convenient for me. And it filters water very, very well in a clean way that preserves minerals. So it is expensive. It's $305. I realize that's not accessible for everyone. But honestly, what I would truly recommend if you're looking for a filter and you're going to buy bottled water instead, I would recommend just holding off on buying the bottled water for a while and saving up to buy something like the Berkey. I did a little calculation because one of the bottled waters that I used to buy is Smart Water, which I think is great health-wise, but it's $2.37 a bottle. If I'm going to drink 80 ounces of water per day, which honestly I drink a lot more than that, um, that would be $3,460 per year. That's a lot. That's 10 times more, more than 10 times more than the Berkey. And the Berkey lasts forever. So you do have to replace the filters, but maybe uh, once every year or two, something like that. Honestly, I can't tell you the last time I bought a bottle of water, which is really good for my wallet and it's good for the environment too, of course. Um, But if I realize I'm not answering your question, Vanessa, if you are going to buy bottled water, I like spring water, pure spring water. If you can get pure spring water, That would be my first choice. Of course, environmentally and for BPA reasons, I would prefer it in a glass bottle when possible. Um, Plastic bottle, widely available. I like smart water, like I said. I like things like Pellegrino as well. And if you're not wanting to buy bottled water, but you're not ready for a Berkey, I would recommend a simple Brita pitcher. Brita does a great job at um, filtering water. It's not quite as pure as the Berkey, for example, but it's still really good. It's a step in the right direction. And the Berkey, I'm going to post a link to uh, Berkey that I used to have. I think it's about $40 on Amazon. So that's going to be um, a, an easier chunk to save up for. Um If you get any other filter that's not a a Brita, just make sure it doesn't deplete the water of minerals because those minerals are essential for good hydration. Hope that helps. Finally, it's time for your call to action. And today's call to action is to identify any refined grains in your diet that you consume regularly. I'm not talking about the birthday cake that you have once a year or the donut that you like to get on Easter Sunday or anything like that. I'm talking about refined grains that you eat regularly, daily or at least weekly. And see if you can try a refined grain-free alternative just for a week. See how you feel, see how you like it, see if you can make that change for your health. Because as you learned in Health News You Can Use and in the Veggies of the Matter, Refined grains are not ideal for our long-term health. I would love to hear what you are choosing to swap out this week. So snap a picture, send me a DM on Instagram at the lion's share or uh, post and tag me and I will cheer you on. I hope you have the best week and I can't wait to be right back here in your earbuds next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week.
If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.